Everybody, welcome back to another episode of More Than the Title. I'm your host, Jared Thomas, Chief Revenue Officer at Outside the Box Digital. And you know, I got my brother, my brethren, your favorite CEO's favorite CEO. We was over there. Damn you. <laughs> I wanted to see. I wanted to see if you was going to fuck up the point on the arrow. <laughs> party was over there. Y'all know where he's at. I don't know. But he's right there. That's my brother. What's good, baby? I'm on your military left. Oh, God. Listen, listen, we happy to be here. Another episode of More Than the Title. Um, you know the motto I got on my peach flow today because we got a we got the we got the peach in the building, Tara Brown in the building. So oh my gosh, peach flow, you know what I'm saying? She got on her colors, I got on my colors. Tara I got a little bit of every color on. So guess what? You know, my motto yeah. is if it ain't bright, it just ain't right, baby. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm here to lighten up your life. You know what I'm saying? Mango flow, the mango flow for the audio listeners. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's island mango at that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Not the shit you get from Westchester Square. It's guava. <laughs> my bro, it is guava. We about to pod. So Let's we go. about to do it. I'm ready. First, before we begin, y'all, you know we got a yes. great episode lined up for y'all. Before we do that, let's shout out y'all, the listeners, the supporters, yes. the subscribers. We're growing and glowing every week because of your support, and we truly appreciate y'all from the bottom of our heart, man. We really yes. do. So thank you for everything. And if you want more exclusive content from Black creators like More Than a Title, make sure you download the Live Podcast Network app to get more content such as this. And also, lastly, shout out to our executive producers, Real Block Films. We're going to give you more great looks for you guys, more in-person interviews, and we're going to continue to give you great content. Y'all, that's it. That boy ready. That boy ready. Ready to paw, baby. With that ready being said, you know what I mean? Let's introduce this young lady. Let's start the show. Rocking, baby. Let's I'm get ready. it going. So we have an award-winning comedian celebrated for a clean and friendly, uh, family-friendly humor nationwide. Recognized by Charlotte5.com and Queen City Nerve, this young lady is not only named is only named the stand-up comedians you need to know in Charlotte, but also crowned the best comedian in 2019. Ooh. She offers insights and experiences the most recent winner of the Gene Robinson Comedy in Class Humor mm-hmm. Competition. And you can also catch her on the second season of Stand Up Nashville on the Circle Network. And don't miss a hilarious Dry Bar Comedy special available on drybarcomedy.com and the Dry Bar Comedy app. Let's introduce award-winning comedian, Miss Tara Brown. After that introduction, thank you and good night. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I came for. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be with you both this evening. We got our work cut out for us because, you know, to make a comedian laugh is... You got to be special to make a comedian. Because they look at every... It's like being a cook and eating other people's food. You'd be like, you could have cooked that better. That's not... Hated it. (laughs) You know (laughs) What's funny about that, you get people who come up to you all the time and say, let me tell you this. You could take that joke, and I'm like, I'm not taking that joke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's funny you should mention that because the yeah. other day uh, I was in the supermarket, and a nice little cashier, young man, he said to me, "You want to hear a joke?" And I didn't even have the heart to tell him that I do stand up for a living. So I just, I just said, "Yeah, what you got?" 
Yeah. He goes, what do you call a cow with no legs? I said, what? He goes, ground beef. And he cracked himself up. And I said, okay. <laughs> Hated it. <laughs> That's what you wanted to say. Time out. I was like, I'm not going to be taking that. You can a have cow that. with no legs. Ground beef. Ground beef. He was so happy with himself. And I didn't have the heart to tell him. I must have heard that joke like a hundred times before. But it was all good. But yeah, so kind of hard to make comedians laugh. When, but we laughed. When he, when he said that and you knew it wasn't funny, was this your reaction? <laughs> damn. Sometimes it is. No, I you, you know I, I never want another one. <laughs> no, you never want to make a person feel bad. And listen, of he course. wanted to entertain me. I'm so used to entertaining other people. This guy wanted to entertain me. I'll take that all day long and twice on Sunday. Hold on, we got a comment already. Oh, ground wow. beef joke with a one. Was that another a, 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 a play on a beef a one bar? You get it? It's it's a beef bar. A one for state ah, You see, that's funny. He's a rapper. That's why he does that. He like he likes to put he likes to put uh advanced bars in the in the chat. Doof, doof, doof. Okay. Yeah, hit a dot with You lucky I don't have the drum loaded. <laughs> <laughs> Need the drum loaded. But yeah, yeah but now, now that we're here, though, Tyra, like let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk. Mm -hmm. What makes in your eyes? What makes a good comedian? What's what are the characteristics of a great comedian? Yeah. Well, that that's you know different things. Someone who can captivate an audience. Obviously, you need to be funny. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the cool thing. I've been doing stand up now for nine years and mm -hmm. over nine years, and I still learn. I, I think a comedian should always be learning. You know, you can watch. You know, I, the the best thing to me is when I'm watching another comedian in the club, and I'm like, I want to get good like that. I think when you, mm. you never rest on your laurels, you can always be better. You're encouraged to kind of tape your performances so you can go back and look and say, okay, could I have done this joke better and, and whatever. So I just think a, a good comedian is always uh, working on their material, testing it out, being funny, being relatable, being mm. personable. Listen, you could be funny, but, you know, if you're a jerk and when you get off the stage, you know, you don't want people remembering that. So... I resonate with a lot of audience because, you know, not only do I do clean and family friendly humor, but I also talk about being a woman of a certain age. And that always resonates with a lot of people in audiences. Yeah. And one of the best compliments I ever got after a show is a lady came up to me and she said, girl, you need to get sponsorship from Depends because I almost messed up my Depends laughing at you so hard. <laughs> Can I put that on the website, please? Put it on the what? Put it on the shirt. Put it on the merch. I don't know. Maybe on the website. I'm gonna be honest. If she if she came up to me and said that, I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. What are we talking? I like about? it. I like it. It was great. But so. Yeah. yeah, and I think lots of different <laughs> things make good comedians. Right. Even though I work clean, um, I don't judge people who don't. I, I like to encourage. I, I mentor comedians, and so I do encourage comedians to have clean material in their arsenal because if you do, it opens up your opportunities more. Like the good thing for my brand of comedy is I tell people all the time, I play well in all time zones. So mm. I can do well in with lots of different audiences. I feel like when you... You know, you work so, so blue, you limit your your audience and your scope. So mm. um, that's the one thing I always encourage comedians is just like, you know, 
Consider having some clean in in in, in the toolbox. Message. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's there it is. Yeah. That's it. But but I'm curious though. Like, what made you go to clean? Like, did you have like other types of content, or did you always start clean, or were you like Method Man? You started off Wu Tang, and you was like, Nah, I got kids, I got family now. We going clean. What happened? <laughs> I have always been clean. I that it's just cool. always, you know. And it's funny because a lot of times people say to me, um, "That's so hard," and I said, "Well, it's not for me. I tell you jokes the way I talk to people. So mm. you know, my life isn't you know spoken in four letter words. So I." to give you my humor the same way. So also mm. my mom is a preacher, so I can't be running around telling dirty jokes and to my preacher mama. So uh mama but I, I never I never huh she won't have it. Oh she no it. but I um I, I've just it's just been who I am since I started doing stand-up. So it wasn't like a conscious effort I made like I'm gonna be clean. It just is who I am. So it was a natural mm. fit for me. And you know going back to what I said earlier about um having comedians having clean material in their arsenal, I encourage people to be who they are. If you're trying to stretch and make yourself something you're not, the audience is going to see that and it's not going to be authentic. So if you're trying to make yourself be something you're not, that's not going to work. But I just think you don't have to be so filthy to be funny. Message. Queen, you're talking that. Talk. I like that. I'm gonna take that message. Okay. <laughs> we like, we like, we like nine minutes in, and you spitting that. Wait, hold on. Let's go right into the second period already, because I feel yeah. like you're dropping gems on them already, man. Like, don't ask me for an interview. I'll give it to you. No, uh -huh. listen, you know we, we we love it. Um, oftentimes we we always hear that religion plays a major factor in somebody's cultivating of who they are as a person mm -hmm. and think about what you just said that your mother being a woman of the cloth help help to indirectly kind of lead you down a path of saying okay if i'm gonna be a comedian you know i have to make sure i'm respectable to my mother and my parents and the people that i'm around right. let me do it in, in this um form of fashion so you know i'm gonna ask you though have you ever done a comedy show at the church? So, I mean, like, you know, oh like, have they ever asked you to be like, come on down? Like, because you know, church makes singers famous, right? A lot of mm -hmm. singers like Whitney Houston and all of they came up in the church. Yeah. Do comedians come up in the church? They do. Um, and wow. here's the thing I'll say when I started doing stand-up, kind of to take this back a bit, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. And okay. Derek and I were having this conversation. We were all like East Coast, West Coast, so from the Bronx, but um, <laughs> I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and I grew up in uh, Brownsville, two of the toughest neighborhoods in, in, in New York, Brownsville and Bed-Stuy. Mm. And we were talking about this. Brownsville, whose motto was never ran, never will. Yeah. Bed-Stuy was do or die. Yeah. And I didn't actually do stand-up when I lived in New York. I only started doing stand-up nine years ago when I moved to Charlotte. So I didn't have the opportunity to do stand up at my church where I grew up in. So the church mm. I grew up in, in uh, New York was the Brownsville Community Baptist Church. And I went to a church called Elam. So I didn't have the opportunity to do church there, uh, excuse me, comedy at my church. When I moved to Charlotte, I joined the Park Church, shout out to the Park Church, which I love so much and I'm still a member of to this day. And when I tell you that church has nurtured and supported my gift, and have made opportunities available to me uh, to perform comedy. And one of the most uh, honored things I've done over the course of this comedy career is I was called upon during the pandemic when we went to a virtual model 
to do a comedy show for the church on a virtual platform. Mm-hmm. And it was so humbling to get up there and I'm standing in the room with just me, my pastor and two other people telling jokes. And so I am forever grateful for my church who's who opened up this opportunity for me to, to share my gift with the world and who just continues to nurture and to grow me. So yes, I am oh, so wow. very proud to yeah. have performed comedy at my church. I don't know, Tyree. You get me, Auntie. I'm about to call you Auntie. You can call me Auntie. Well, they call me. They refer to me as the the Godmother of the Charlotte comedy scene. So Godmother, Godmother. Yeah, I'll take them all. I've been called. I've been called worse. Trust me. So I'll take take Auntie. Because you know, you know, when you said um, when you said the ground beef joke, you know what it made me think is as a comedian, are there tougher markets for you to perform in? Like, is there like is New York harder than performing in Nashville? Is L.A. harder than Arkansas? You know what I'm saying? You know, I'll give you a good case in point. I think you need to know your audience and you need to to read the room. And and here's mm. a perfect example of that I was going to be doing a comedy festival um, in the in the city. And before we went to the festival, um, they had given us the places we were going to perform at. And I looked up one of the places, and it was a millennial type of bar. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of jokes that have to do with me being a woman of a certain age. I'm 54 years old, and I'm very proud of that. And I, I tell that because to go back to the Brownsville bed thing, there are a lot of people who didn't come out of Brownsville and bed to make it to 54. So when I tell you that I'm 54 years old, I tell you that as a source of giving God the glory and being thankful. So... You ain't going to get past that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not getting past that. Okay. When I went to look to see where we were going to be performing, I noticed it was a millennial bar. Now, in a millennial bar, they're not going to care about jokes about me being 54. So I didn't do any of those jokes there. I told jokes about being in the workplace because everybody has been in the workplace and you can relate to that humor and other things. So that's a situation where if I had gone in just like I'm going to do the set I normally do, I, it would have it would have sunk. And I know it would have because someone else performed and they did similar material about being older and it didn't land. So I feel mm-hmm. like you need to understand your audience. You need to know the room um, and and. I, you know, sometimes they'll say it's never the crowd. I'm like, sometimes it is the crowd. <laughs> no. I just, I did a, a, it's so weird. I did a, a, some shows at a casino not too long ago and all of the shows were great. And then just one Thursday night, it was just like, is this thing on? Like, do y'all hear me? Like it just, but you know what I've learned over the years too, you're going to have some time and this is just like life, right? You're going to have some moments where it's not going to be your night. But you got to pick yourself up and you're like, okay, tomorrow will be another day. And, you know, you just power through and just have faith in your your talent and your abilities and just like, let God do the rest. <laughs> you That's know? It. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's real. I'm, I'm a, I don't want to break the message button. We about to keep <laughs> killing them with the chair. I don't want to break the message. I just thought about something. What's good, yeah. bro? Yeah, she's been doing stand up for nine years. Yeah. That means you started. Forty-five, yeah, at forty-five years old. Look at the respect you started. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, I tell it. I, 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 I tell it, and I'm very proud oh. of that. You started late, right? Yes. So obviously, you know what a lot of people are going to ask you, right? You you've been through life, you've been experiencing things. For first of all, comedy in the woman sector is not as dominant as it is for men. But for you not to start young, right? For you to start 
well into you know your career stages and things of that nature where did this start like how did that come about did you just like tell a joke one day in front of a crowd and they reacted and you kind of was like Forget yeah. work. Kill the ass. Kill the ass in the break room. Kill them in the break room. ATM one day and make a joke and had the bank lie. Like, what happened in Tara Brown's life that made her say in her mid-40s, I am gonna be a comedian? And I mean like full throttle, like I'm gonna take yeah. this seriously. Okay, I'll tell you what happened. Yeah. So I used to do a PR for a television network. Um, mm-hmm. and it was a great job, but I didn't feel like I wanted something more, you know? And so I remember thinking I need to find a hobby, like to feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And so I literally Googled things to do in Charlotte and comedy school, comedy class popped up. And I was like, hmm, people said I'm funny. Like, why not? So I took a six week class at the Comedy Zone in Charlotte. And the seventh week you have graduation where you perform in front of all your family and friends. And it's the best night of comedy you'll ever have in your life because everybody wants to see you win. So you're like, oh my gosh, it was amazing. <laughs> then you get out in the real world, you're like, hey, this wasn't like what I experienced last week. So I took that class, graduated, and the rest, as they say, is history. And so that was nine years ago. Um, everybody who I took the class with at the time, they're not doing comedy anymore. So I'm the only one still doing it. And so what was happening for me was I was doing it like a little bit. I was like, okay, this is good. This is fun. And so what ended up happening was I had the day job and in comedy was kind of doing this. Mm. And so I felt like, and for the people who are listening, just kind of, it started um, becoming as demanding as my daytime job. So then I essentially had two full-time jobs because I was traveling more and and I was getting a lot of great opportunities. And everyone, the one thing everybody kept saying was like, I don't know how you do. I'm like, I don't know either. And so Mm -hmm. I had to make the decision that, okay, um, if I'm ever going to go for this, I need to go for it. So Mm -hmm. um, I knew that I wanted to move to Nashville, Tennessee, because it's a really good city for uh, clean comics. And I had to make the decision to go for it. So I left my full-time job in January of this year to pursue a a career in in full-time comedy and speaking, which I also do. And here we are. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm going to break the message. (laughs) It's got to be what it got to be. Well, and so to your point, it's just this. It's like... Because I started stand-up at 45 and I'm 54 years old now, I did not want to have regrets. I did not want to say what would have happened. I didn't want to look back and say, I wish I would have tried it. I wish I would have done it. And the good thing about me is that, one of the good things about me, is I I like to leave places better than when I, I like to leave places better than when I came. So I left on a high note. I left with good relationships. I left people in a good place. I left you know, um, with the CEO of the company saying, you know, you can always come home if you don't, you know, you you decide to come back. And so that that was very important to me because I didn't want to just be like, I'm leaving and, you know, the heck with everybody. That's not who I am. So, and everybody understood that I needed to do this for me because like I said, I didn't want to look back and have any regrets. And, I, and I, it's right. the best decision I made and I'm really happy. So That's I moved so to Nashville in August of, uh, this year. And that's been an experience because, you know, I moved to a city where I didn't know anybody. And, but Nashville's been great. The traffic is insane, but the, <laughs> the people are great. And um, here we are. 
That's fire. You bet yeah. on yourself. I, I'm, you know, I'm gonna have to ask you, Queen. Yeah. So your first, you know, like I said, you move your first year taking it full time. This is our first year doing business, right? So we're just celebrating our one year at yeah, OTB. Yes, we're celebrating our one year at OTB. That's we're awesome. It. That's awesome. But, but, but we're going to keep it real with the listeners. We have good days. Yes. Some days we eating T-bone steaks. Some days we eating ramen noodles. That's some it. Day, and it just is what it is. So how, knowing that you can go back and you have like the safety net, so to speak, of being able to go back to corporate, how did you push through those tough days? I'm still pushing through them. I I, mm. if, I wish I could tell you I have it figured out. I don't. Every day is different. Every day is a challenge. Yeah. You know, when you're a solopreneur, you know, it's just like you have to. It, it, it can be very lonely and isolating. Comedy itself is a solo type of sport. Comedy and speaking solo yeah. type of things. You, you have to stay motivated. You have to find the opportunities. The thing for me is I enjoy so much the freedom and the flexibility of this is like, I got to make this work, <laughs> Like yeah. This is not going to work. And then something that was so very humbling for me when I left um, Charlotte, <clears throat> again, going back to my church, my pastor uh, prayed the commissioning prayer over me, sending me to Nashville and telling me I was on assignment. And let me tell you something, when your pastor tell you on assignment, you're like, oh, it just got different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it became bigger than me. And it's funny because I didn't really think about it in that way, but I realized it's bigger than me. The thing about comedy, um, and I, I say this about comedy and music, they are two of the art forms that bring everybody together. You know what I mean? From yeah. all backgrounds and whatever, you're brought together by your love of comedy and music. And for me, when I'm on stage and I can look at an audience and I can see people laughing or they're having a good time, and then one day I did a show and a woman came up to me afterwards and she goes, thank you. She goes, my father recently died. And this is the first time I left the house since he died. And you made me feel good. Like, oh my gosh, what do you do with that? So you want to keep that going. So I wish I had the answers to say, here's what you do. I'm still figuring out myself, my brother. So listen, when you get the answers, you tell me. So but I just feel like I'm so proud of what you guys are doing. And here's the thing. Iron sharpens iron, right? Yeah. And I'm motivated by seeing other people succeed as well. And so and, and even and we were talking about this, it's like in my background in PR, you know, good PR people always want to see other people win. So I've spent a lifetime watching other people win and, and feeling OK with it. And I'm like, you know what? It's kind of your turn to win now. And so, and I'm yeah. okay with that too, you know. I ain't mad at you. Do you mind if we curse? Uh, no. <laughs> God, I'm ready. Yeah. You know, I, I was, you know, my reaction right off the back is you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. You, you know, got it. There we go. You got it. Like, no, I, that is, I love that. Yeah. No, I, I really love that because. Me and Jared have had so many in-depth conversations about how powerful and scary change is. Mm -hmm. yeah. How scary and how powerful the fear of change can cripple a human being. Yes. And we're not talking in your youth where you know you can make a mistake, you ain't got no responsibilities. You know, when we young, we stupid, we do a lot of dumb shit. Yeah. When you get older and you start to experience life and you start to get solidified, then making that change where you like, I'm ready to give it all up for something else is terrifying. You know, Dion Cole in his special, he says something that was, and I'm gonna uh, not remember verbatim, but the gist of it was, 
He said, the worst thing you can do to an older woman is waste her time because she don't have a lot of it left. <laughs> that was the truth. That's because real. I'm at this point in my life where it's just like, I don't want to waste my time. So it's just like, if I want to do something, I'm going to do it. If I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. I think when we get into the regret, having regrets, that's where we can get kind of stuck. Yeah. But I'm just like, you have to, if you make this decision, we're going to do this business, we're going to do this, we're like, it's full steam ahead. You know, you got to be like those horses with the blinders and you just, yeah. you can get so distracted by other people and just other people's noise and trying to tell you what they think you should do and all of this. And, you know, and you can't do that. I mean, one of the, the mistakes I made coming up with comedy is, you know, I started out with some folks and you think, oh, we're all going to do this together. It's not meant for everybody. My journey is different from someone else's journey. So you can keep be trying to bring people along. And then you're like, but you're not meant to go with me. I, I have this analogy um, that I do, that I talk about um, when, I, when I do talks about um, making sure you have the right team in place and the right people around you. And I liken it to boxes of crayons, right? Like crayons come in boxes of 8, 16, 24, 32, 64. And like, who's in your box of eight? You know, who are those people that are like holding you down, you know, or telling you, checking you when you need to be checked, um, but are not, but are, but are supporting you. And then sometimes you'll have people in your box of eight and you got to move them to your box of 64s. Message. Yeah, you're not going, oh. I'm going and you, I can't take you. And then sometimes that friend that was in your box of 64, you might have to move them up to the box of eight. So what I've learned too, you know, as Drake said, my circle's so small, it's a period. The circle's mm. gotten small over the years. <laughs> so, and, and, it, and it is what it is. But, you know, I this is my journey. This is my, my path. I can't get distracted. I know what I'm called to do and what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's just, let's go. It's go time. That's real. Yo. That is some of y'all in my in the box of eight. I'm about to move some of y'all to the 64. I'm like, yeah, no, right some of y'all need to go real. to the 64, and some of the 64 need to move up to the eight. And yeah, you know, you I'm, know what I'm, keep, I'm keeping it 100. I don't even want to use crayons no more. Y'all motherfuckers can't transform to a permanent marker. <laughs> Everything we do from this point forward, we sticking on the wall, bro. Like there there's no reason the shit we doing. Like, y'all can't turn into a permanent marker somehow, some way metamorphosize yourself is over. But you, but you, learn, you have to learn to pivot. <laughs> you have to learn to pivot and adjust because relationships and friendships, the dynamics shift and they change. And yeah. I think for me early on that was hard for me because I'm I'm a pretty loyal person. And so when I'm yeah, when I'm down with you, I'm down with you. And so same. my thing is if you I feel like why are you not, you know, treating me the same way I treat you? But then sometimes you realize you gotta let folks go. And then you sometimes you can't get to your next level if you kind of dragging people along for the ride who ain't meant to go. It's it's a great line and we've said it before on the show. I don't know if you ever seen this clip by Snoop Dogg. He's talking to ASAP Rocky. He's like something called bridging the gap. He said, as you evolve, the people stay here, right? And that's how your relationship starts to strain. But you can't come back there. Your friendship has to be them meeting you where you are. I like that. And that and that's so true. Because if I try to come back there and try to help you out, you're just not on the same wavelength that I'm on in this particular moment on this journey. And that's did, okay. Did you see that video? Uh, was it Broski? What, what's the, the rapper's mm -hmm. name? Which one? Um, um, the guy from, oh, geez, from Powers and it. I, uh, uh, I can't think the guy, I can't think of the rapper's name, but the gist of it is 
you know, he's doing well. And his friend is there celebrating him and like, yeah, you're my man. But in his mind, he's having these thoughts and he's having this dialogue with like he's hating this guy. But on the surface, he's making him think that he really like, oh, broski, watch it. The video is so incredibly powerful. Oh, what you call it? Isn't that the one that uh, talks like I am from Africa? You know, I yeah, am. he is from Africa. But yeah, that's from, him. Um, what's his name? Um, Wire and um, I know you know, yeah, yeah. The light skin dude with the, with the, with the yes, yes. You know, you know it is Jared, the one that always does the the accent, and he had the the, the, the little music career. Yes, you know, but anyway, yes. go watch that because yeah. that video. I seen I've seen it. I think they had on suits and they kind of did like sitting at a table. Yes, I I did see it. That is a powerful video to me because he's thinking this dude is his friend. And meanwhile, he's having harboring all these thoughts of like he was a jealous and he was a Mm. hater. So it's just like you got to be careful. You got around you. You'd be surprised how often that happens. Right. But but at the same token, it's like but that's something that we all going to deal with as we rise. Right. It's going to be the entitlement. It's going to be like, oh, because I know you because I chilled with you 10 years ago when we went and got the, we went to Popeye's, we went to the club, we popped a bottle. doesn't mean you're entitled to come to where I'm coming or no, go where I'm people, going. People are comfortable keeping you in the places they le- they, they left you at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, message. Couldn't let you get I, I couldn't get to the damn button quick enough. <laughs> people don't want to see you elevate. They just want, they're comfortable with you being like, oh, I remember when you were this. Like, I talked to you, you know, it, it's so... It, it kind of warms my, not warm, kind of, but it warms my heart. When I was in Charlotte, there was a, a a girl who was like a big sister to me when I lived in Brownsville and she moved to Charlotte. And when I did my album recording, she came and she said to me, I needed to be here because somebody from Brownsville needed to be here for you. And this girl knew me since I'm 14 years old, you know? Wow. So that means so much to me because she has seen me from when I'm a little girl, but she's been along for the journey. So that's the kind of stuff you know, that you appreciate, you lean into that stuff. So the other thing too, you lean into the love that's around you. You know, a lot of times we can get caught up in people, the haters, I'm like, they don't matter. You look at all the support you got around you. You know, these people who want to see you succeed and win, that's where you lean into. So I've been very blessed over the years. I grew up an only child. And so the good thing for me is when you're an only child, people kind of bring you into their fold. So I've been really blessed over the years that I've had a lot of good folks supporting and loving on me. And so, and I love them for that. And I, I try to lean into that more than the people who are just kind of hating because who has that kind of time anyway? That's real. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you, I'm rearranging my my crayon box. I got, I'm trying to get money. I'm telling green you. In there. I got burnt sienna in that box. <laughs> I'm trying to get it out of here. You're trying to burn me down. Burnt sienna is pretty though. It's a nice color. It's crazy, you know what I mean. But since I, I got to ask you too, because your PR backing, right? Yes. There's two main things that that separate the same thing as artists and the comedian, which is the same things to be interchangeable terms, right? So, how did you use your PR skills to help brand yourself as a comedian, right? How did that help you, you know, you know, build the the brand that you are today? Well, I will say this. Let's go. Let's kind of go back in time to PR. The okay. thing that how I started with PR when I was in New York and I was going to Baruch College. And I answered an ad for a part-time receptionist at uh, a publishing company in New York, Viking Books. I think it was Viking Penguin. It was called Viking Penguin at the time. So I took this job as a part-time receptionist, and then it moved to a full-time receptionist role. And um, I make relationships very easily and well. And so I talk to everybody. And as a receptionist, you, you do that. So when I saw a job open up in the, the publicity department, I said, what are they doing publicity? And they told me, I was like, I can do that. And so they gave me a shot. And I, I'm very 
proud of that. And I'm very, that meant a lot to me because they didn't have to give me a shot. So I say that to say to people, sometimes take a shot on people just because they don't know um, your field of expertise, but someone may want to learn, you know, and a lot of times people get caught up and you don't have this experience, but, you know, hiring good folks and bringing people who mesh with your corporate culture or not even corporate culture, but your culture can be way more valuable than someone knowing what you think they, they should know. So anyway, they took a chance on me and gave me this job in the PR department, and I elevated through the ranks at uh, Penguin Books, and then moved over to HarperCollins. And so by the time I, and the only reason I left PR there is because I moved to Charlotte. And so the good thing about a PR career, it, it's a highly transferable skill. And so if you do PR in books, you can do it in television, you can do it in music and that sort of thing. It's about relationships. So it's about building relationships. Yeah. So when I moved to Charlotte and I got to do PR for a television network in the film studio, I've applied those same skills that when I had to uh, produce comedy shows, one of the things I used to, my baby that I used to produce in Charlotte, I used to do a clean and family friendly comedy show that was appropriate for kids to come. And so, and that, that was unheard of because you don't see kids at comedy shows. And so I wanted to um, publicize and market this thing as this the only comedy show in Charlotte that you can bring your kids to. And it was true. It wasn't an exaggeration. It was very true at the time. So I got to those press writing skills and I pitched myself. And it was a very uh, different phenomenon because, like I said, I'm used to promoting other people. But I promoted the heck out of me and clean and family friendly comedy, and it it worked. And we we always ha- got, you know, um, good numbers at the show. And what it succeeded in doing is helping to brand me as the clean uh, comedian in Charlotte. And so a lot of people run away. A lot of times, oh, thank you, Kenneth. Um, a lot of people um, want to move away from saying they're a clean comic because they think, you know, clean isn't funny or that sort of thing. Nothing could be further from the truth. I think clean comedians are very clever because they don't rely on uh, curse words to be funny. And then also when people say, oh, clean isn't uh, funny, I said, but clean is more profitable. Pays <laughs> mm. a lot better. <laughs> so. But, but can I, can I, wait, first of all, shout out to Kenneth, shout out to everybody on the check-in, shout out to Charlotte, Independence Boulevard, hey, all my Charlotte. people out there. Show it up, Charlotte. Queen City. But you're on mute. You're on mute, bro. I need my guy pardon. <laughs> oh boy, my boy. I need my boy pardon. I apologize. I was just saying Charlotte is in the building, man. They came out to represent. We appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah, well, can, can, can I ask you a real question? Yes. Right? Because you say being clean is more profitable. I think the having the, the kid comedy show, that's 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 brilliant. That's right. brilliant. That's definitely yeah. a niche that, that needs to be filled, and that's brilliant. But if somebody came to you with the bag right now, Netflix, do a special. We got 10 million for you, Ty. We love your show, but we need it this particular way. We need you to kind of, you know, put a little seasoning on it. (laughs) They don't want my show. They they Mm. don't want me. I mean, and that's That's not who I am. And kind of going back to what I said earlier, it's just like, you know, you can chase money and be, you know, but it wouldn't be authentic for me. So I've just never been, listen, and I ain't saying I got a bunch in checking right now that I could be like, hey, yeah, I can refuse that. But it's yeah. not who I am. It's not who I was brought up to be. And it's not me trying to be holier than thou. It's just not who I am. So I, I couldn't right. see it. What's well, like I funny, I remember <laughs> when I first uh, started doing stand-up and um, uh, <laughs> a comedian I was performing with, he says to me, hey, um, 
I got some non-addictive heroin. You want something? I was like, wait, what? And I said, first of all, how is that even possible? How isn't all heroin addictive? Like that's just very weird. And I was just there are a lot of things you can fall into into traps. And I'm like, it's just not who I am. So I'm like, no, thank you. He's like, hey, you want to meet up for breakfast in the morning? I was like, I do not. Wow. <laughs> I do not want to meet for breakfast with the person who just offered me heroin. No, thank you. No, I said, no, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, I was like, that was the weirdest thing to me. So that's probably one of the weirdest things that happened to me in comedy. But the, the good thing, and so to your point, if they're asking me to do that, then they're not asking for me. And so it's just like, that's eh, okay. And the right opportunities yeah. will come along. What's meant for you is for you. And that's it. That's that's another hard thing about comedy. Social media, man, oh, man, oh, man. You can look at what other people are doing and just thinking, you know, I should be doing that. But if you just have to stay focused on your craft and, and just getting better and just doing you. And when your opportunity is meant to happen, it'll happen. Message. Yeah. I love, I love, I love, I love that you said it because the reason why I wanted, I wanted to keep it real, like even even with us, right? We're doing the same thing, right? If we wanted to really build this podcast and grow, we could easily put some salacious headlines or clickbait, say some crazy shit, you know. But we've got CEOs and people, prominent people. We got celebrities. We got comedians. We got all walks of life coming on the show, yeah. and we're taking the long road. Like we're not gonna, we're not gonna. You have integrity. It's about exactly. having integrity, and exactly. it's just like, and that's not for sale. I'm sorry, never. It's just. Mm-mm. Now, if it takes us 10 years, takes us 15, my friend, we're going to do it, my friend. (laughs) And and you'll get in the rooms that you need to be into. You know what I mean? And so, and the profitable rooms that you need to be in. And so, there you go. That's it. I'm ready to get in some rooms. Why are you putting yourself on mute? He's yeah, like, would, 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 you, would you pause? What's up? You pardon, baby? You don't want to talk to us anymore. No, I, I can tell you what it is. Sometimes because I'm using an actual like podcast microphone setup, sometimes... Uh-huh. It can overpower the audio. Oh, um, okay. I thought you were just done with us. Never, never. So, <laughs> yeah, so, with this interview. He's ready, he, he, he ready to brown a turkey. No, no. <laughs> no, no, you, no, so, no, so what I do sometimes is I just like to mute the microphone. That way when the guest is speaking or Jared is speaking, you know, the microphone doesn't overpower. You don't get any type of feedback or anything like that. You're, so, you're such a professional. I love it. We we're just trying to give you the best show possible. You know I what I mean? Um, I'm, I'm so happy to be with you guys. This is this wow. is great. So yeah, we're just trying to give you the best show possible, Queen. You know what I mean? And um I know what you said. I wanted to let you finish, but more often than not, it's not about the general idea that they don't want you as a person right i think sometimes opportunity knocks and it just knocks we can't control what we feel like what opportunity is at some time we agree to that like we can all say yeah i want my opportunity to be this and i want my opportunity to be that but opportunity is opportunity and um there was a joke and i want to see if you know this one right so a guy a guy um i think was um I think it was like flooding or something like that. And a guy go and a guy comes by with a boat and he's like, oh, come on, get on the boat or something. He's like, nah, I'm waiting for God to save me or something like that. And then a guy comes back with like a bigger boat or something. Hey, yo, you coming on? You you in the water? He's like, nah, I'm waiting for God to save me something. And then, you know, long story short, the guy ends up drowning. He gets to heaven. And he goes, God, I'm a God-fearing person. You didn't, I sent you a boat. You. I sent you a boat. Yeah. How many signs I got to goddamn send you? Yeah. So, but the difference like, with that in, mm-hmm. in what you're saying is... Yeah. What he was asking me is if someone gives you this money, right? But they're telling you, 
necessarily maybe we want you to curse in the thing then you're yeah. asking me to do something that's outside not, of my scope that's no, out but, of my thing no yeah. it's not like if somebody was sending me a boat i ain't crazy enough no, no. to not know when i'm being you know <laughs> <laughs> i ain't gonna drown out this i ain't gonna drown but i'm also <laughs> not yeah well, no no i understand that but what i'm saying is i listen to you also say that you tailor your show based on your audience right so now i would not expect you to curse to okay. young children right? right no i would not expect you to curse in the church but if an opportunity presented itself where they're like well listen this crowd is an older crowd there's no you understand what i'm saying right. And then they said, would you mind? Like, you don't have to curse all the way through, but, you know, you don't have to be but so clean. Also, would you mind taking the back? Isn't that not a different decision for you to make in the moment? Let me say this. I am not mm. I am not going to curse because someone said, hey, we'll give you X amount of money if you curse. That's just not what I'm going to do. Right. So let me say this okay. to you. Let me okay. say this to you. Okay. Clean comedy, there are varying levels of clean, right? You have okay. church clean where you there are certain things that just you just won't say. I have a, I'll tell you this. I have a joke I tell where I say I went to uh, on a date with a guy and on the date he told me he had one testicle, right? And that there's some other stuff I say behind that. That's clean comedy? But I'm not going to tell, but listen to what I'm telling you. I'm not going to tell that joke in the church, but I can tell that joke at a club. Facts. And, facts, so, facts. and so there are varying levels of what you can say with clean, but I am never going to be comfortable or do something that's going to challenge what I was, what I'm not used to doing or what I don't do. So if you say to me, Hey, you can tell the joke about the guy with the successful, that's not, I can do that. Cause I've told that joke. But if you say, okay, we're going to give you $5,000 if you drop five F-bombs. I, I just, it's not me. And it's not me trying to judge anyone who does it. It's just not me. I'm at that. Yeah. And I'm so going, for I'm me, Go ahead it just has to come a different way. It'll just I, have to I, was, I was gonna say something funny. You talking to a dude with one testicle, you might as well sprinkle a little curse. <laughs> I don't know what's worse. Wow. Yeah. Now, no, normally he get on me, but when he say stuff like that, I'm just like what's wrong with this guy, man? Get him Give me one of those, my bad. Oh my gosh, y'all are so y'all y'all crack me up how y'all crack each other up. That's the funniest <laughs> thing to me. Y'all are adorable, adorable. Uh, he's, going to, he's out of control. He's out of control. Y'all, y'all are so funny. He should have never even visited that joke after you said it. You just leave that one alone. Yeah. That I, like the, I didn't like the tone either. I didn't like the way I said it. I didn't like the tone. <laughs> what I, you know, I just want to say something to you. I admire. I admire you, sister, for Thank your you. conviction. Mm -hmm. As a person that I feel like, and Jared will tell you, like, I've tried very hard to be able to look myself in the mirror every day and walk a certain ground. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Right. But I try to carry a certain moral compass where I am, a, I am able to walk and keep my head high knowing that the way I carry myself is predominantly in a, in a positive manner. Right. All mistakes, right. So yeah. I commend you. I commend you on holding your conviction because that is a very powerful thing to hold on to. And it is very easily that people throw their conviction to the side because of monetary gain. Yeah. Economic status. Yeah. Favor. Yeah. And listen, I don't judge anybody because I don't know what everybody's situation is. You know what I mean? You could be on the verge of losing your house or, or whatever, and you feel like you need to do what you have to do. This is not me saying, oh, I would never do that. It's just not who I am. And it's just, you know, I I have a, a strong enough faith 
to know kind of about your analogy with the boats. Now, I ain't crazy enough to know if God is sending me two people in the boat to, to get on the boat, but I also have a strong enough faith to know that me deciding to take an opportunity um, for some money, the curse is not in line with what I know to be true uh, for me and for my relationship with God. So right. it just wouldn't work for me. But like I said, I don't judge people. The same thing with, with um, you know, people who don't work clean. I don't stand in judgment of anybody. I'm just one of my, my favorite comedian of all time is Eddie Murphy. My favorite joke of all time was by Richard Pryor that I can't even repeat. Say, <laughs> and yeah. so my favorite joke of all time. So it's just. I, I was going to say that, not to cut you yeah. off. When you said Eddie Murphy, I yeah. was going to say, I really thought you would be a Richard Pryor fan. Like now, He has a joke, and I, I can't tell it in mixed company, but it's my favorite joke of all time. But yeah. I, but what I'm saying is you, and, and kind of to the point I, I made earlier, you learn from everybody. You learn. One of the things I have such a tremendous amount of respect for, for Kevin Hart. Mm -hmm. Kevin Hart has taken this platform and he has brought so many people up. Yeah. And the, the whole expression, you know, you, you lift as you climb. He should be the face of that because I've never seen a brother who has taken this platform and whatever you think of him, whatever. But he's put so many people on. He said, look, I didn't open this door. Let me bring you along with it. And that, that's the thing that I love so much. So there are so many comedians who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, from a talent perspective, from a business perspective, just from, for different things. So like I said, Eddie Murphy, when Eddie Murphy does stand up again, I'm the first person buying the ticket because I can't wait to see it. Dave Chappelle, brilliant, no, like go. just brilliant. You know, he he flies in the face of everything you're taught to do with comedy, you know, like, you know, about having like uh, punchlines really quickly. He will sit there and tell you a long story and you are so locked in and then they'll hit you with the joke. So no. there's just so many to people that you learn from and, and you can grow from. So I think when you get into this place, like I only do clean, I only listen to clean comments. I think that's a mistake. Um, I just think you you learn from everybody. Yeah, that's a message. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I'm gonna have to ask you right now. What's the best comedy special of all time? What, what's your favorite? Oh, for me, it had to be Raw. Like oh. I, I love Eddie Murphy's Raw. That's one of the ones you go. Wait, hold what? on. I get delirious. I get delirious of Raw mixed up. Which one is the red suit? What's the red suit? Red suit. The red delirious suit. Is red perfect. suit. Wait, what? What are you saying is the best one? You you had that look like I don't know about Raw. I, I'm. It's what? not raw. It's, I'm gonna be honest. I, I can't. I can't go with raw for me. I'm what? It's, it's a toss up. It's a toss up between um, Kevin Hart's. Um, what was the second one he did? Um, was that the uh, one where he was like the bum bump? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, it's a toss up between that one and and I I want to I want to say it was like the second to last one that Dave Chappelle did. Um, oh yeah. It's um, a toss up, and you, and you know why? Because it's two completely different comedic. Um, presences, but humor is humor. Like and like she said, Dave Chappelle's humor. So he brilliant. can be so serious. Yeah, lock you in and say some shit, and you just walk out the fucking room like I'm done. Yeah. I'm not even coming back. You yeah. know what I mean? And but I think that Kevin Hart's um that second one that he did, I don't think you can really get better than that. You know what you, I'm saying? You think like, that was better you, than like Raw? Are you so crazy? Yeah, yeah. I, th I think so. You, so, you, you so crazy? crazy? You so crazy is good. But I, I mean, again, I'm a fan of Eddie Murphy. Yeah. I'm just telling you, like, I think for me, I find other comedians more funny than he is. Here, I'm going to give you one of my favorite comedic shows of all time. 
Tara, you tell me if you like it. I rock with Joe Coy. Joe Coy is hilarious. I rock with he's Joe hilarious. Coy, right? He's hilarious. Joe Coy stand up to me is probably oh, some of the best three stand ups I've ever seen. <laughs> so funny. I'll, I'll give you that. Thank I don't you. know about the best I've ever seen, but I'm just I will like give me. you that Joe it, Joe Coy is hilarious. Joe very, Coy, very when he mocked his aunt, mm. was like. Who the fuck is Joe? Oh, excuse me. Oh, it's Joe Coy. He said, I call you Joe Cole. Yeah, My yeah, Joe Coy. <laughs> Who the fuck is she? He's like, I, you Jared, you have to watch it. Joe I got, I, I got, I've like, seen it on Netflix, but I just haven't watched it. Joe Coy is a, is a Philip, is he Filipino? Filipino. Yeah, he's Asian dude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's Filipino based. He, he has, uh, at this point, I think he's done four specials. Yeah. Um, but I'm just telling you, you watch the first two, because the third one, I believe he went back home to the Philippines and actually did it in his home. Oh, hometown. I didn't see that. That's yeah. Cool. Well, I think the third one he did um, in the Philippines and he brought more comedians home and like a DJ to, you know, to show his culture. And it was dope. But those first two, I think it's one called, I'm, you, you don't hit the fucking button. You stay away from the button. It's called. Let you I already know you. I think it's called like I'm coming in hot. I'm coming in hot or something like that. I don't remember the title, but it sounds but, familiar. Yeah. But I'm just being honest with you. As far as like comedic presence and just pure laughter, I, I feel like he's one of the most underrated, funniest comedians I've ever heard in my lifetime. Well, I, it, this is the beautiful thing about comedy, right? Like you have different flavors of it. You got yeah. the joke hoys. You got and everything's not for everybody. You know, right. I have comedians who I won't call to name that I just don't care for. I just I tried and I just don't find them funny. And if that's my thing. But other people do. And that's the beautiful thing about all of this. It's just like, okay, mm -hmm. this is not your cup of tea, but it it works for you and whatever. And and so and but I, you know, I love watching um Specials to see, like Dion Cole. I felt like that last He's special. Right. I think was it Sherlene's boy, Sherlene's. I forget what he named it after his, his late mom. I thought it was hilarious, and you yeah. know, I I don't think I had ever really locked into Dion Cole in that way, but I greatly enjoyed his standup. So that's what I think is awesome. Like right now, there's so many different people you can just like or watch and yeah and then i'm not as a female uh comedian i'm showing the women some love there are a lot of funny female comedians i think the thing that really irritates me similar to what people say that they don't think clean comedy is funny is that you know female comedians don't get a fair shake and they get treated like second class sins but you got a lot of funny women out here who are doing their thing and so shout out to the female comedians yeah. i'm not honest with you the the I watched the. I'm a big com. I'm a huge comedy guy. Mm -hmm. One thing, it was hit or miss for me. Okay. The Mike Epps one was a hit or miss for me. You know what I mean? Some of them, I feel like they have their lane. Like I feel like Dion Cole is is, is sketch comedy funny, like sitcoms. Yeah. And that nature. I feel, I feel like that about Mike Epps. I like Mike yeah. Epps yeah. and movies. Yeah, and movies. Yeah, I feel like that comedy got to You know, you got to kind of get like little bits of yeah. it. But, but but what makes Dion Cole? He has a niche for himself. Like like what he yeah. does. If it makes himself different. I've been watching him since the comic view days. He would take out the notepad and act like he was throwing out new material right there on the spot. And if it didn't work, he would throw ones that wouldn't hit that people would just laugh. He'll throw like the ground beef joke or something like that. All right, you know what I mean? But you know what I, I like about Dion Cole? I feel like he has jokes that you think about after this over. Like that yeah. joke he has where he goes, You notice that there are no B batteries 
and he said, and that, it was so funny because you thought about it. I was like, there are no B batteries. And I, I won't do justice for his joke, but I just think it's hilarious. I think for him, I think his delivery is great. And some of the stuff he says kind of stays with it long after. You know, like I said, all due respect to Mike Epps, I like him more in the Upshaws than I do watching, you know, the stand up. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. yeah and, and, I'm, and see, I'm with you 110% because I've watched, I believe, season one season two, season three, and I think they just dropped a season four. And anybody that I talk to, I'll be like, I love the Upshores. Yeah. Want, I, I promote that like the new Cosby show. Like, you want to get a good, clean, because I feel like it's clean comedy. It's, it's not clean. They no, curse no, no, Upshaws. No, 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 when I say clean, no, when I say clean, right, yeah, I don't mean like Cosby clean. I'm talking like, <laughs> not, I'm talking like it's good, wholesome comedy, right? I think they touch on a lot of real life topics. The yeah. fact that his son is is is, right. is a homosexual. Mm-hmm. The fact that that yeah, it is absolutely incredible. It's the incredible. fact that he does the show in his hometown of Indi- Indianapolis. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? It's family but oriented. I love it. It's family I, oriented. And here's the thing that's always great for yeah. me when you see shows where they are showing the black family unit as the black family unit. I'm here for it. So mm-hmm. for the Upshaws. When you got that, and even they were going through their challenges, and they kept it real, and I I appreciated that. You go back in time to Everybody Hates Chris. Take it even back further to Good Times, you know, and that was a show where, you know, I read uh, an article once where they said Esther Rowe, who played Florida, was adamant that they cast um, a a father figure, the father for the show. She was not going to do it. because initially, I think there was no uh, what was his name James Evans Senior. James, there was no James, James Evans Senior. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she was like, "No, we're going to have a father in this household." So you you take it back to that. So for me, anytime we're doing that, you think it shows like Abbott Elementary, you know, with yeah. showing our you know uh, black teachers and principals and that sort of thing. This is it's a good thing. So we're in a really good era right now. Um, with television and film and comedy and you got a lot of like we we're talking about you got a diversity uh diversity of not just ethnicity but diversity of thought you know yeah. we don't all have to agree on everything and like you said a big controversy right now is this gentleman matt rife the comedian he's getting you know a lot of people feel one way because they felt like he got famous because he was on TikTok, and other people are you know leave him alone listen it's not for me to say but yeah each his own. Get on how you get on. No. Yeah. But, but that but that's a perfect question too cuz one thing I, I saw some clip you guys probably saw it when Terrence Howard was talking about he made $12,000 for the Hustle and Flow movie, right? Oh yeah. Which was a crazy show and then he said Paramount put the, the 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 royalties of the song in the character DJ's name and they own the character's name. So he gets no performance royalties on the Wow, album. I didn't know that. So it's crazy. So I, I'm curious like how do you as a how do comedians set their price or, or really charge their value for their for their you know for their gift? Oh that's a, a good question. And you know <laughs> I have this conversation a lot um over the past couple of weeks actually with talking to comedians about charging your worth and yeah. i can't get into what certain fees are but i think you know mm-hmm. once you've been doing this and you have longevity uh once you have credits uh to your name that can be that is something where you say okay the prices just went up you know a lot of factors come into play but the thing too is 
what I'm concerned with with some comedians is just like you will stay stuck in a certain price point because you think you shouldn't get more and you should be getting more and it's okay mm-hmm. to ask for what you want. Um, you know, I, I used to work with a financial coach and she had this line and I never forgot it and it was great. She goes, stop giving people discounts they didn't ask you for. Uh-oh. And that was powerful to me because a lot of times you will discount your price before someone even asks you for a discounted price. And so you lean in now, you know, not not for nothing and that's bad English. You know, I do a lot of corporate stuff and, and that sort of thing. So when you do corporate work and you're able to get corporate rates, it's sort of you can't go back into, you know, someone that says, hey, could you come do this bar show for twenty five dollars? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> and you have not. to be okay with walking away when things don't serve you, you know. And it's just like the other thing too is you have to to be no. mindful of the brand, you know. No. If someone will pay, like, listen, if someone says, "Oh, Tara's going to be over at so and so place, and we could see her for free for twenty, you know, twenty to thirty minutes," then you know, uh, Acme Corporation who wants to bring me in to perform or speak or something say, well, why are we doing that? We can just go up the street and see her. So you got to protect the brand, you know, and it's just not being arrogant or whatever. I worked hard. I worked really hard, you know, to get to this point. And so I'm not going to undervalue myself. You want to, you can do that, but you know, I won't be there to help you. (laughs) So there you go. And we let you know, Tara's price. Yesterday's price is not today's price. That's right, it. Gotta say so, that. That's right, that Joe. <laughs> that's it. OTB yeah. tire price went up. You know what? Um. Uh oh. Here we go. He's about to go. He's about to go. Get ready. Get ready for it. I just, I have to always be remiss to remind people. You have to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere. I'm not saying. If you're established, if you understand the business of any business that you're in, set a price point and things of that nature. What I'm saying is, if you are new to the industry, you must normally, without the connections of somebody plugging you in, the cheat code, you're going to start at the bottom. Right? I've done done movies. I have movie credits. I have television credits, SAG, AFTRA. They... You work and you bust your ass for the interview, right? Or you go to the casting calls. You do what you got to do, whether it's a non-speaking role or a speaking role, right? Tara, you know what it is. Whether you're going to get your waiver for your speaking role to to buy into the union. I went through all of that. They offer you what they offer you and you have a decision to take it or walk away. There's a lot of times that I've gotten paid extra money, $110 a day, $120 a day plus, you know, uh, if we're in the cold, cold weather, you know, if we're in smoke, I was on rescue me, you know, like that, if I got to do a a stunt where I'm falling down, you get a little extra pay. It is what it is. Right. You want the opportunity or you don't, right? You can always walk away. What kind of bothers me, and I'm not going to lie, is Nobody forced you to take any type of situation. Agreed. You weighed your pros and you weighed your cons, whatever your situation is. Agreed. And you made a decision. I feel like once you make a decision, shut the fuck up about it. You have to. That's exactly right. I remember taking Mm -hmm. um, a gig once and it was something about it. I was like, I don't know if I should take it. And I took it and realized I just got underpaid for this because I knew 
but I couldn't do anything because I took it and I was just like, okay. Um, and but now I got you on notice, you know what I mean? Because you're the guy who likes to under underpay people. And so, but you're right. I took it and so I had to eat that. And I, I agree with you. When you're first starting out, you know, you will take things where um you're like, listen, that's the thing with comedy. You that's what open mics are for. You know what I mean? You out there, you working out your your material. I, I still do open mics, you know what I mean? Like, I'll go out there if I'm working on some new jokes, I'll, I'll do some things. But that's my choice, you know, to do X amount of time. But for someone to just kind of think, well, you're not worth that, so I'm not going to pay you that, that's a whole other ballgame. That's, ball that, game. that's, that's yeah. a whole other thing. If I decide I'm going to come and, and do something, that's one thing. And, and, you know, that's fine. But you're not going to sit there and dictate to me what, because I can't let you get in my head like that. Exactly. Exactly. We just quick brief breaks. So I just want to promote more than a tight. I've been drinking an iced tea for about an hour with no ice cube, and it's still cold. And it only happens in the more than a title club. And made sure I didn't spill anything on my more than a title shirt. So for all the audio listeners, they got merch. We got, got merch, and our it. price went up. There you go. There you but go. But you get a discount if you put in Tara right now. Discount you get. You actually got to pay us ten percent more, and it's going to Tara <laughs> <laughs> if you buy right now. I love it. You know, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you. Sometimes I try to hold it together, but I tell Jared, like, <laughs> you know, I tell Jared all the time, like, man, listen, Marisa gonna be trouble. You gotta cup with your name on it. Bro. Oh, you gonna do that to me? You gonna do that to me? Because you know my, my cup is in my the best trunk. Iced tea in the world. That's I'm right. to tell you, no ice cubes, y'all. No ice cubes. No yeah, NWA no, on the side. You know my cup is in the trunk, and you—that's th disrespectful. You had three no. hours to get it. <laughs> the problem is the car is nowhere. The car is sixty miles away. So okay, Tara, I'm ready. So, okay, let's do it. What you got? Who is or has been your biggest inspiration, comedy-wise? I know who you like, but who have you? almost in a sense studied to say like i like the way you handle your business i like the way you do this and i would like to kind of model my career after that who's been an inspiration to you like career-wise as far as like modeling your your the way that you do your shows and the way that you handle your business acclimate kind of like an uh, amalgamation of just a lot of different people but i i will tell you about this this one person who was very special to me Okay. Um, and Jared mentioned her in my introduction. So I am the most recent winner of uh, a comedy contest by a woman who since passed away named Jeannie Robertson. So she had a comedy uh, competition called Comedy with Class Humor Competition. So I won her contest. And one of the things that I was awarded was a cash prize. And I got to perform with her at any show of my choice. So I chose the Windspear Opera House in Dallas because I had never performed in Dallas at that point. And um the way she took care of me um, when I got out there from the time like I got on, you know, to Dallas until the time I left was amazing. But what I will never forget is how she treated people. And we she would go to the venue, the theater early just so she can meet with the ushers and take pictures with them and introduce herself to them and make them feel valued. You never forget that. Lunell, the comedian Lunell had a line where I heard her say this on the podcast. She said, if you want to be a headliner, watch what headliners do. And I remember watching this woman thinking, 
it was so classy the way she treated people and then how she brought me along and she was very generous with her stage and this was a woman who was very revered very well respected and i you know by virtue of the contest i think i was supposed to get like 10 minutes or something and she gave me like 20. you know she shared her stage and her audience with me and it, it, it opened it up and introduced me to a brand new audience of people who would not have known about me um, since that time. And so, and then I built a friendship with her after that. And then, you know, she invited, she, during the pandemic, she was doing, um, a podcast from her home and I got to spend a night at her house and, and do that with her. Okay. And, um, in 2021, I literally just got off stage and got word that she had unexpectedly passed away. And it just devastated oh, me because she was, and so if I model anything after anything, it was her watching how she treated people with respect and kindness. I think the thing too with comedy, again, you watch what a lot of people do. Uh, one, I had a comedy teacher who told me this once before, and it's a very smart tip. Like when you're in a comedy club, just greet people as they come in, you know, just say hi. They don't know who you are. But then when I get on stage, they're like, oh, that's that girl who said hi to us. We like her. You know what I mean? So I'm starting off with house money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. so just little stuff like that. So I feel like I pick up a lot of things from a lot of people. You also learn what not to do by watching people. Also, you learn when you watch people be jerks to people. Um, you're like, I don't want to be that. Um, and again, like I said earlier, just watching comedians work on their craft makes you want to go back and write. I, I spent time. Uh, there's a, a fabulous comedian by the name of Cristela Alonzo. And Christella, when I have a tremendous amount of respect for her, she had a show on ABC back in the day called Christella. And I tell her that I, I told her this when I got a chance to meet her. Before there was um on the boat and blackish, there was Christella. So she really blazed a trail to put a Latino family, similar to what we we're saying about the upshows and that sort of thing. So she did that. And so I got the chance to perform with her when she was at the Comedy Zone. And she gave me the biggest hug. And she was like, they never give me black women to open. They never give me women to open for me, and especially not black women. And then she, the way she treated me that whole weekend was so wonderful. I never forgot that. And then when she came back to Charlotte, she messaged me and said, hey, I want you to, to open for me again. So stuff like that, oh. it's just, that's why I said, there's so many people I pull from and, and I respect and I admire. But top of that list for me would have to be Jeannie Robertson. That's dope. Mm -hmm. That was a dope story. Mm -hmm. I left you speechless. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know how to. I don't no, know what listen, to, no I'm real. You know, I love I love it because I hate with a passion when people act like they created the wheel from fucking scratch. You understand what I'm saying? If you were the creator of the wheel, fine. Yeah. Don't try to create the wheel after somebody else created it and you knew about it and you've used the wheel on whatever vehicle and then be like, oh, I created this wheel and the first wheel had no fucking influence. On <laughs> yeah. You know I hate? yeah, I hate that with a passion. I yeah. hate people that refuse to acknowledge other people that have paved the way before them or might have given them some type of inspiration, whether whether inadvertently or purposefully. Right. Because yeah. guess what? You can be um motivated or you can be kind of like predisposed to something without you even knowing that you were predisposed to it let me tell you something one of my favorite commercials of all time is the liberty right. mutual commercial the one where the people do the kind acts of kindness to someone yeah. and if someone across the street sees that and then they do an act of kindness 
And I love that so much because they're doing this act of kindness here, not realizing someone else is seeing it and it spar it spurts them to do be kind. You know, one of the things I was very adamant about when I was in Charlotte is I took, as I said, they lovingly referred to me as the godmother of Charlotte comedy. And I took that um, title very seriously in the sense that I wanted to mentor and be a support to anybody who needed it, especially the women on the right. scene, because I know what it's like to come up. And like I said, comedy can be very isolating. It could feel like tennis, like a solo sport. And you could feel, and it's also very cliquish. So you can, you know, people kind of stick to who they know. And when you come up, you can just feel like no one supports you, no one has your back. So for me, I was adamant about making sure people felt supported and nurtured and encouraged. And, you know, before I left, I remember saying to one young lady, I said, you know, I want to apologize to you because I didn't get out to nearly as many as your shows as I wanted to just because I was out of town or whatever. And she looked at me like I was crazy and she goes, it's okay. And I said, no, but that was important to me because especially as a woman on the scene, I want you to feel like you have the support of other women on the scene. So mm -hmm. I tried to, you know, be to people, but I, that I wish people were to me. I will never forget. And I tell him this and he, he never remembers that he did this, but again, talking about having impact, I remember sitting, I was probably less than a year in doing comedy and I was sitting at the uh, table at the comedy zone and everyone was walking by me. No one was talking to me. And a comedian sat across from me. His name is Deacon Dean. And he still performs comedy in Charlotte to this day. And Deacon sat across from me and said, my name is Deacon. What's your name? I never forgot that. And when I say it to him, he goes, Tara, I don't even remember that. But I never forgot that he did that for me. And it was just and he was very well. He is very well respected on the scene. So then once he sat and talked to me, other people start coming to the table. I'm like, whatever. You know what I mean? I didn't want to. But he saw that I was by my, and I never forgot that. So I always like to say, I like to do for other people what Deacon did for me. That's real. Mm -hmm. That's real. I can't get, can't get it quick enough. There we go. There we go. But I got to ask you too, sis. Um, what what does the mountaintop look like for you? Because we 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 ask a lot of people as they're on the journey, and I know it's difficult because we're paving the road as we drive, so to speak. Yeah. But what what does that mountaintop in your career in comedy look like for you? Well, listen. Uh, someone said Netflix. I wouldn't hate that. <laughs> I ain't mad at I wouldn't hate Netflix. You know, a comedian said something to me a few years back, and um, I, it made sense when she said it but it makes more sense for me now. Mm -hmm. She said, I don't know that I necessarily want to be famous from doing comedy. I just want to be able to make a, a good living at doing it. And so if I can do this, and like I said, there is no greater feeling in the world. I'm not even kidding you. When you can look out at an audience and you, something that God allowed me to create in my mind that I made a joke of and it, it resonated with you and you, I told it and you laughed and it was great. And if I can be successful doing that and then um, you can have a good time with me while I'm doing that, that feels great. And it, it may sound hokey, but I don't I don't necessarily I've had a lot of great opportunities. I've, I've had the opportunity to share stages with a, a lot of a great people and, and get advice from it. I'd never forget the late John Witherspoon. <laughs> I got to I got to open for him uh, at the Comedy Zone. I said to him. I said, Mr. Withers, I forget how I worded it, but I said to him something like, Mr. Withers, well, what's your favorite part of comedy or something? He goes, when they give me my check. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. Yeah, <laughs> that was just so him. You know, it was so him. So, you know, 
everybody wants to be successful at the thing that they're doing. Um, success looks different for a lot of people. I mean, listen, to be able to 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 have a good living at this feels like it would be the the mountaintop for me. And listen, like I said, I'm not. Look, I wouldn't hate a Netflix thing. <laughs> yeah. Who wouldn't? You know. But you know, I have a dry bar comedy special, which is great. Um, I've had some really great opportunities. And again, when you know those doors open for you that that are meant for you, they'll, you know, nobody else can't go through them. So we'll see. Real. Yeah. That's real. We say that all the time too about the, you know, you say, cousin, you say that all the time as far as like, yo, you know what I mean? Like, I don't need a billion. I'm on the other side. I want one billion. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I want the million. I'm trying like to get I said, it. I, I say it because I mean it. I've, yeah, I've, man. My entire life, I've taken care of almost everybody around me since I was a young child. I was on the streets. I was hustling. I've been taking care of my family. I was on the streets like seven, eight years old hustling. People don't, if I told the stories that I used to do at seven and eight years old, taking the train an hour and a half, people would be like, are you insane? Like it was the life that I lived. So I'm so used to just taking care of people that um, I just, I don't, I, I don't want to see myself win and be by myself. I, I'm not being funny. Like, I, yeah. I don't, I don't mind being by myself on a day-to-day -day basis if there's nobody around me that I can relate to. But I don't want to succeed by myself and then leave my family or the ones that I, I, I care about behind. It, you understand what I'm yeah, saying? No, that's, yeah. that's why I say what I say. Like, what, what is the worth of me being worth a billion if, if none of my friends are millionaires? You still yeah. can't live my life. Yeah. I still yeah. got to take care of you. So what does that say about me mentally? See, I, I, I think deep about this, right? What does that say about me mentally? Because I haven't helped you become financially responsible yourself. I still want you tethered to me. Right. Power yeah, yeah, to be yeah. the best that you can be so that you can support your family on your own. I don't want to tether. Right. Yeah. Right? So Jared, Jared makes a, 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 he says a statement that I love the statement. He says, you know, um, uh, teach people how to fish, teach people how to fish. They will learn you sell fishing poles. Mm, you understand mm, right so i yeah. so, so i live by that right what yeah. i try to do is i anybody that's been around me i've tried to help empower their dreams even sometimes at the detriment of myself yeah and that's okay that's okay yeah because i can look myself in the mirror and i like what i see every day it's that conviction that i complimented you on earlier you, you know it's so funny uh, yesterday yeah. we went <laughs> my mom and i went to a, a restaurant and and the waitress wasn't she wasn't good and i don't say that lightly she just was mm -hmm. not it was just frustrating that yeah. she was just not good and as we're walking away and i'm trying to leave this tip and i'm getting mad at myself because i'm like she did not deserve just such a good tip because she just wasn't a good waitress and i had this conviction it was like tip her tip her more than you were going to anyway because you don't know what she's going through and it's funny because there was something about her that looked to me like she had been going through some things. And sometimes you can get caught up in your own thing that you look, you you like, why this person treated me this way? It's not always about you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's just like, sometimes you have to do for others and look outside of yourself. And to your point about like, you sometimes do things at the detriment, but you know what? It really isn't at your detriment because I feel like if you give to others, It'll come back to you in some sort of way. It really just does, and it might it won't yeah. look like the same thing you put out, but it'll come back to you in some other way. Some opportunity might open up to you 
that you have been waiting on. You're like, hey, that just happened. It's just like because you show kindness to somebody else, kind of going back to the Liberty Mutual thing. Like, mm -hmm. do good deeds. Even sometimes when you just feel like, uh, like yesterday, I was so, and I'm not going to lie to you, I wrestled with that because I was like, she just was a really, she just was not yeah. good. My mashed potatoes were cold. She didn't come, you know, it was just a lot of bad things. But I'm like, you know what, Tara, look outside yourself. You don't know what she's going through. And I'm like, look, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But so I agree with you. I just think sometimes we have to just you, you just lift people up. And, and I love and I, I respect so much that you're like, look, it ain't going to mean anything if I can't bring people along with me. Yeah, I, I, I just I just twisted, modified slightly. If I get the billion dollars, I could give you a million. I could be quiet and do my thing. That's all I'm go. saying. And give me a little, you know what I mean? Like, don't come back. <laughs> but watch this, though. But, but, but that's wrong. And I'm going to tell you why that's wrong. And, and I'm going to use the lotto theory. I'm going to use the lotto theory. Say I hit $400 million today. I'm, I'm $400 million richer. Now, I know, that, I know at the level that I live at is where I am. Yeah. Now, I know how to get here, which means even if I didn't earn the $400 million, I can recreate what I've created here. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Because I have the experience of going from where I was to where I am now. I know right. how to create it. I know how to maintain it because I've been here 20, 30 years now. But you, but you can't use the lotto one. Wait, let me show lotto, you. Just, right. No, no, but let me show you why. Because you just said you would give somebody a million dollars. You give somebody a million dollars that's never even understood how to be a hundred thousand there, and now mm. they're a millionaire. Mm. If they don't understand the balance of one dollar and how to balance one dollar, they'll never understand how to balance a million dollars. What you've done is tethered them to you. So watch what they're gonna do. They're gonna buy a big expensive house. Let's talk the real hood, right? They're yeah. gonna buy a big expensive house that they don't understand the economics of not buying the house but maintaining the house. Right. They're gonna buy a nice expensive car that they don't understand about purchasing the car. It's about maintaining and keeping the car. And when they run out of money, not if, when they run out of money, because you bought it for them and you don't want to, they're going to be like, well, he doesn't want me to lose the house. He helped me buy the house. He doesn't want me to lose the car because he gave me the money for the car. Where do you think they're going to come back to? Right back to you. Why well, couldn't you be proactive when you give the million? Be you can I'm, help them. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just explaining. No, I, I'm, right? I getting with you. I get they, it. But they, I'm they, saying, look, I was here, still, I was still rather change your life. But I'm just but, saying, here's the science to it. Why I use the lotto example. If you research it, it's like 85 to 90 percent of every person that has ever hit the lotto. And I'm talking about them, not even, yeah. not even the people that they have helped. I'm talking them that they got the whole bag yeah. has, has in within five to 10 years ended up it. in a worse situation yeah. than they was before they hit the lotto. I've heard that. I have mm. heard that. Yeah. You understand? Some mm. of them have even committed suicide. Some of them have had atrocities done to their family. You know why? Because you never understood how to balance or maintain what you had. You were giving this big windfall, and instead of educating yourself and taking your time to acclimate, you just jumped out the out the out the window. So that's why I said that, right? Would I take care of people that I love, right? So let's talk about it. When I become successful, this is what I'm going to do. Hear it right now. When I become successful, I'm going to give other people the chance to work to become successful. I love that. Because me and Jared are working every fucking day. This is yeah. nothing is being given right. to us. Right. We are fighting. Right. We are yeah. clawing. Like he said, some days is ramen. Some days That's is ramen. Right. Some days is I just bought ramen yesterday. I got four no. packs if you need So, so <laughs> we got to go through this. There's no way I'm just giving it to you. That's right. That's right. That's you real. You won't respect it. And you didn't earn it. We earned it. That's right. That's right.
So what I will do is I will reach back my hand as I've always done, and I will allow anybody that's already doing something the opportunity for me to help you do whatever you're doing to the next level. See, it's a big difference. You see, I love that. Yeah. If you have a home or if you have a house already or a condo or a property, then what I might do is say, Well, how much do you owe left? You've been here 10, 15 years. Here's a check for what you owe left because you've already shown that you've had this for 15 years. See, that's a big difference. That's right. If that's you already right. have a car, then I can say, listen, what kind of car you got? Okay, you got a little 40, 50000 dollars car. I'll bump you to the hundred thousand dollar car. And then I because we'll pay that off and you already understand how to maintain a car. What I'm not gonna do is buy somebody a five hundred thousand dollar fucking Lamborghini that's never even bought themselves a Toyota. If I had the lotto. Yeah. We, no, we, we build, we build OTB. We build OTB up. No, you I'm can't get real our time. No. You, <laughs> can hate, you can hate me. You can be angry at me. But if you've never owned a home or you've never owned your own property, if you've never even had your own apartment, let's keep yeah. it real. Some yeah. people have never even lived on their own. Yeah. You think I'm going to buy you a condo or a house when you've never even understood what it is to pay bills on your own? It's not going to happen. Not from Chad. Yeah. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I love it. I love right it. Now. But what I will do sure, is internships. What I will do is set up scholarship programs. What I will do is set up programs where I will provide the resources that people that are working for it, that is just looking for that extra push or that one opportunity to make it. That's what I'll provide for them. But I will not. I will not give a handout. I, I'm just not going to do. Look, it. Let me find my wallet to get this man an offering. <laughs> preaching. <laughs> preaching. Yeah, he's preaching. That's you. That's the real talk, brother. I, I, I find no. And that's why I use the lotto example because yeah. I've studied this thing a long time. Yeah. And Jared knows. We talk about this on a mini of a show. It's the college education versus the financial education. So many black and brown people do not truly understand what a true financial education is. You know how many yeah. adults I can say to them really quickly? Do you understand the bounce of a dollar? Do you understand the principles of the base of ten? And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah. So if you don't understand a dollar, you'll never be a successful person. Because if you can't manage one dollar, you'll never manage a thousand or ten thousand yeah. or a million. Yeah. But we have to start with the education level. We have that's how we empower people. Stop giving them shit and yeah. start teaching them shit. Yeah. Teach them how to fish and they will learn you sell fishing poles. Message. Y'all, man. <laughs> I need a message button. Golly. Yeah, wait, no. <laughs> no, but That's you can yes, yes. Oh. One of those. Look, let me tell you something, Tara. Me and Jared, along with other entrepreneurs, all right, this is for every entrepreneur out there. You take the risk without the safety net, okay? Tara, you, are, you have been doing this nine <laughs> years. You have been doing this nine years. You're in your 50. I am 44 years old. I've run three successful companies. I've worked in construction for 20 years. I'm union. I could have stayed in the military. I'm a Marine. There's a lot of safety cushions that I could have taken and I walked away from. Yeah. I'm, we're doing the same thing that you did, right? Yeah, You're taking that chance, right? And it is scary as shit. And yeah, some it days are good. <laughs> like you said, some days are bad, right? But we are learning. And that is the most important part. That's exactly because right. We can always recreate once you learn. You That's can right. always teach something that mm -hmm. you've learned. But if you never learn it because it was just given to you, right? one, you won't respect it. Mm -hmm. And two, you can't, if you can't teach something, then you truly don't know it. That's it. And, and then how do you create generational wealth, right? You can't. You know. That's it. You That's cannot it. pass it down. Mm -mm. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. And three, 
it tastes better when you got the more than the title. <laughs> <laughs> and three, it's still cold. How does it do this? How does it do this shit? I want to do something we've never done before. I want to do something on the show we've never done before. Because you're a comedian, Tara, we've never done this before. I, I want to put you on the hot seat real quick. I want to yeah, see. Yeah, you ain't asking me to do comedy, right? Hold on, hold on. I want, I want to see if you got it. And I want to start you off in your element. So I'm going to just, you know what I'm saying? I want to. You guys, what's the music is that? I'm like, what are we doing? I wanted to start you off slow. You know, you got the, you got the gospel music. What is that? Let it feel you. Let it feel uh, you. Uh, for our audio experience, he is bugging right now. Let He's doing the wave. No, I can't even. I can't even hear what it is. Oh, you can't hear it. I hear. I like. I can't make it out. I can't. Okay, make hold it on. Out. Let me turn right. it up again. Let's start it over. No, you're in church. You're in church. Okay, yeah, all right, you know what it is. All right, we you're in the party. Okay, I got it, I got it, what you got? But if you wasn't in the river, my brother, you just gonna let your feet speak for you. And right now, my feet got a testimony. Let's go right now. See, that's what happened. He started preaching and he started feeling it. That's yeah, what happened. He felt that's it. what happened. He got like the, the Holy Ghost. He got in the spirit. That's what happened to them. I love it. I love it. Um, but no, you know, um, I'm I'm so proud that you are living what you would consider to be your dream at this point. Thank you. Yes, yes. I you know, it's funny because when I first started doing it and everyone was saying Oh, you're living your dream. And I said at the time, I was like, I don't know that it was my dream. I think it was this thing that I did and it worked out. But I got to tell you something. Two weeks ago, or two or three weeks ago, I had a show. And I remember leaving that place. I'm like, this is the thing I'm supposed to be doing. This is the thing I'm meant to be doing. And to your point, no safety net. Like, this is the thing. This has to work. We have to make this work. Whatever it takes, this is what we're doing. So now I can honestly tell you, like, yeah, this is the dream. And so, and this is the thing that that motivates and, and inspires me. And so, yeah, but and I thank you for saying that because mm -hmm. I feel like I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. I remember years ago, mm -hmm. I was taking a, a class and I felt very unsettled. I don't know if you have that time where you're like, you ever had a time in your life like, oh, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I, I would always admire people who knew. I have a nephew from when the time he was, a, he could talk. He said, Auntie Tara, I'm going to be a doctor. You know what he is today? A doctor. Like he's the, right. And I tell him all the time, you're the only person I've ever met who is doing the thing they said they were going to do. And I, this kid, when he was a kid, told me he was going to be a doctor. So I always had a tremendous amount of respect for people who knew what they were going to do in life. And so there was a time where I didn't know. And I remember talking to this woman who I was taking some workplace class with, and I said, how do you know when you're doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing? And she said to me, when you're doing the thing you're supposed to be doing, everything you did up until that point will have made sense. And she was absolutely right, because I feel like where I'm at now, all the roads that led here made sense. And I said, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And yeah. I feel good about that. That's real. That's real. Yeah. And you know, I, I, feel the, I feel the same way about the podcast. Yeah. I feel like this is what we're supposed to be doing, right? Because at the end of the day, there's no platform for us, right? For really for us to be ourselves. And at least being is like, I, I don't see anything that we can sit here curse. We can sit here talk about family. We we don't have people cry, laugh, all types of stuff on this pod. And we just love this. We love connecting with other people. We love hearing the stories. We love motivating each other. 
I done got four or five gems from this conversation, Chari, that we're going to, you know what I'm saying? That we're going to clip up and send it out. So, you know, I'm glad that we're on our purpose. I'm glad you were able to come here. I'm glad that we can call you a friend now, sis. Yes, please. Listen, and thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for this platform. Thank you for giving people a voice and a space to tell their stories because that's the other thing. It's like we don't a lot of times talk about the ugly parts of stuff you know social media gives you people's highlight reels right and you get to see how things are going but you need to hear from people i struggle you know what i mean and this is how i made it out or like this is what i did just like what you were saying about uh the whole thing with the lottery thing like that is powerful and you know how many people are going to be blessed and walk away from oh wow i didn't think about it like that so the fact that you guys are doing this and are you know opening a platform up for people to learn and to grow and to share their stories, please do not think that's not huge. And I am honored that you would have me and let me share your space to do that. So thank you very much. We appreciate you, Queen. It means a lot. Mandatory though. I'm gonna be honest with you. We we are we are huge family guys. You know, we're actually family. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and we are huge family people. And what we are doing once again is paying it forward. We have to do this because there's nobody doing this. Right. That's just the bottom line. It's not enough of us having these conversations. And if all you keep doing is providing negativity through the media, propaganda, then you're never going to uplift the community. You're never going to change the culture. All you're going to do is keep us in the fucking dirt. Yeah. So we created this platform and Jared has done a phenomenal job in the, in the four years that he's been doing it, because he did it two years before I even came on, of just creating this platform saying that we will have a voice. It's unfiltered. We're not apologizing for what's said. Right. Dressing up. we showing up the way we want to show up. Mm-hmm. And we're going to send this message from successful people back to the people that want to be successful, to the up-and-coming people, so that they can connect with the journey and know that anything is possible. possible. That's right. That's, That's right. right. That's the real. We do this. That's the real. That's the real. Yeah, make in front of me. I drop it right here. That's it. Yeah, I'm about to say, yo, we more than a title, y'all. Yeah. So we, we, we appreciate you, Tara. You know, thank I you for coming you on the show. So much. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I would love, please let me know when are you going to do a show in New York or anything. We like there. Yes. I would mm-hmm. love to come and support you. I come to the Broadway Comedy Club. I, I used to come a lot more often. Next time I come, I'll make sure you guys know. Let, let us know what be there. Is that the one on like 47th? Like 50, no, yeah, like yeah. 50-something in Broadway. Yeah, it's up there by, it's across the street or like right down the block from the old Mars 2112, correct? I don't know, but... I think I know the one. But like Caroline, it's like three blocks up from Caroline. Yes, yes, right. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly yeah. where it's at. That's exactly where it's at. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Caroline's just further up. Caroline's is further up. No, this uh, one is forty. You're right. No, you're right. You're right. right. I'm sorry. Caroline's on like forty ninth or something. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. right. My bad. My bad. I think yeah. Caroline's is across the street from the M M&M and M store. Yes, exactly. They close Caroline's though. Yeah. But I'm gonna when oh. I come back for sure. I'll make sure you guys know when I'm. Please, 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 and please let the people know where they can find you at sis. Please. Oh, yes, please. Tara Brown mm-hmm. Comedy um, on all social media platforms. And I also do a newsletter. So if people want to sign up, they can go to tarabrowncomedy.com and sign up there. 
Yeah, and you can just send us the link too, sis. So when we post yeah, this, so, we're gonna post the link. So, so I'm doing for the audio listeners. I'm giving them a heart because I just I heart them. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate, well, you. appreciate you. And and, and and I'm and I'm and I'm telling you right now, we're gonna extend the invitation to you as we do with every guest that comes on our show. Um, I don't know how long you've been following us, but a lot of our guests end up popping up, and we go to you know lunch and dinners. And if you come to New York, we would love to support you, but. You know, even if you don't have a show, let us know. We you know we we'll up and have some good brunch and just sit down. Oh, we family at this point. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Happy. <laughs> oh, no, that's that's What's like up? you don't even have to finish the thought. I'm like, hey, I'm here. Where we going? Yeah, that's it. That's it. I love, oh, oh, sound like some BBQ ribs to me. Okay, okay. okay. We'll have okay. to go to dinosaurs on one twenty fifth. There we go. No, there I we love go. it. I love it, sis. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank um, you. We, we sincerely appreciate it, and I've learned a lot from you. And I'm like I said, I'm just so proud that you. That you were able to spread your story because you have inspired you've inspired me. So right. I know that you've inspired some young uh, person that wants to do what you've done to show them that look, I did it in, in my forties and still was successful at this. You can you can do this and you can be um, successful also. That's real. That's real. And, and, and happy holidays, happy Thanksgiving, yes. Queen. Yes. yes, everybody. We gotta go our turkeys now. That's Listen. it. You know, you're gonna make me you're gonna make me deep fry something. I ain't gonna lie to you. you know right. I mean? Just remember, just remember everybody. If it ain't sneezing, you ain't seasoned. So just, remember, <laughs> just remember that we put it on an apron, it's going on the more than the title apron. We're gonna have to cook the show. If you ain't sneezing, you ain't seasoned. So let's hey, wait, on. But listen, we can actually do that as content because you know, look, look, Tara, look, look how look how small something can be, and we can laugh about it, but look how yeah. dope it is. All of the men, I'm gonna say it again. All of the men and our families cook. Nice. Oh, nice. You see how you see nice. something small like that? Yeah. Me and Jared will send each other pictures a lot of times as we putting stuff in the oven and pulling out, like, yeah, bet you ain't had none of this lately. Yeah. Right? But look how look how dope when we talk about education really quickly. Look how dope that is. Something yeah. that we have learned that we have that we are now passing down to our children. My boys know how to cook. He's teaching his son how to cook. Yeah. We're teaching independence, not dependence. There you go. There you go. And title. on that note, y'all, more than the title. We're going to see y'all. We love you, Tara. We're going to make it happen. Love you, Tara. everybody. Amazing. We out of here. Yeah. What you know about me? Seeing it all. Heard it all. Oh, what you know about me? I've done it all. Just want it all.